Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Numbers chapter 36. Numbers 36. Uh, we close out the book of Numbers today. And before we get started, I have some uh, uh, announcements. Uh, number one, pray for the saints. Pray for the churches. Pray for the saints because we're in perilous times right now. These things must happen in order for scripture to be fulfilled, in order for prophecy to be fulfilled. Uh, we're seeing uh, what's happening with uh, the church, the saints in China. Uh, in China, what's happening is the government, they are coming down hardcore on the churches. Now, not the state state sanctioned churches, not those. Those are the ones who have their sermons approved and they give uh, whatever dictates of the Chinese government. Uh, but the saints in China, the, one who, the ones who teach from the word of God, they're getting shut down. Uh, their pastors, they're going underground. They have, um, uh, they have church services and provide messages on the dark web and they're being discovered. They're being found out and they're being shut down. Uh, pastors being arrested, uh, church government, the elders, uh, the deacons, they're being arrested, the pastors being arrested. Uh, these are things that are happening today in Canada, Western culture in Canada. Churches are also being shut down. Uh, they're doing the exact same thing, taking their messages online uh, through certain platforms, uh, even uh, not so much an underground model in Western cultures. But in Canada, these things are happening. It's happening in Europe as well. But uh, the things that we're seeing in the uh, 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 in the news is that the uh, the Canadian churches, they're being shut down, the online sermons, even the online tithing. Uh, there are uh, financial platforms. They're shutting it down. They're just, they're, the money's being cut off. Uh, they label Christians as the right-wing extremists. Uh, and these are things that are happening today. So look what's happening. We see the money supply being shut down, the means for saints to contribute and support other saints, just like we studied in 2 Corinthians recently, very recently, chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, about tithing and support the work of the ministry. We're seeing these supply chains being shut off. Uh, on top of that, with these sermons being shut down, uh, you know, churches are closing in response to uh, the coronavirus. Churches have been closed and closed for a while, and these restrictions are getting heavier and heavier. And so these churches, in response, they've taken their messages online. Uh, and the uh, these platforms, these online platforms, they're restricting what they refer to as extremists, Christian extremists, right-wing extremists, hate speech. And they're shutting it down. And so what happens? A famine of the word of God. Just as Bible prophecy says, a famine of the word of God. Now, pastors, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, pray hard for wisdom in these last days. Uh, have an underground model in place. It could be that you never use it. And praise be to the Lord. It could be that you use it tomorrow. It could be that you use it next week, next month but have an underground model in place to where the government shuts the church down, okay. You know, the government shuts the online platform down, okay. We're gonna meet in the forest. We're gonna meet by a tree. We're gonna meet in the hills. We're gonna meet in secret over here, but have an underground model in place. It might be that you never use it, and praise be to the Lord, but it might be that you have to use it tomorrow.
Western culture. This isn't just like in Africa where we've seen these things happen for decades or in China where we've seen these things happen for decades or in Arab countries where we've seen seen these things happen for a long time in Russia, in these certain areas. In Western culture, it's happening. The spirit of the Antichrist, the Antichrist spirit, it's intensifying. And these things must happen. Remember, Satan knows his time is short. As the Bible teaches, he's going to amplify his attacks against the saints, against the church, against Jews. And, you know, just like there's this uh, uh, program that it's being uh, 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 shown that I'm watching. It's about Jerusalem. And it's totally in accordance with the Antichrist spirit. It's not Bible-based. It's in accordance with the Antichrist spirit. And, you know, if I didn't know the Bible... I would I would see Jerusalem as it, 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 I wouldn't see it as it belonging to a certain people. I would be open for it be, being for almost like a, 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 a from a globalist perspective. And these things must happen. The Antichrist spirit, how the Antichrist spirit treats Jerusalem. These things are prophesied. We're living in very very dangerous times. Very very perilous times. And times of sorrows not plural not singular not times of sorrow times of sorrows plural with plurality i meant you see churches you see christians you see saints you see all kinds of you know flooding large scale flooding a large scale earthquakes damages all these different Natural occurrences, you know, people refer to, oh, it's global warming, it's global warming. No, it's science. These are things that are prophesied. These things must happen, you see? And so, pastors, be on your knees, be on your face before the Lord for guidance, for wisdom, for blueprints, for the last day's model. Have your underground model in place. Because, you know, we can't meet in churches because of government shutdowns. And then now that that's being more restricted, okay, now we're going to have these online messages. Now, what happens when the online messages get shut down? You see the, uh, uh, the means for contributions being shut down, the means for support, the support of the ministry and supporting the saints, that being shut down. A lot of churches, a lot of pastors, they're just going to shut down completely. The hirelings shut down completely and praise be to the Lord for that because the hirelings shut down, you know, praise the Lord because their supply chain is cut off. But you know what's going to happen too is the supply chain is going to shut off on a, on a wide scale. But for the remnant, for the remnant, our supply line comes from above, comes from above. It's just like ground combat. You know, you get inserted, you're a ground unit, ground unit, you get inserted and you think, okay, supply chains, we need ammunitions. And the, the Humvees come up, you know, uh, miles and miles and miles and the Humvees are just a supply line and there's a break in that supply line. Okay, Hilo, we call for the birds. You see, same exact way. Okay, we have these supply lines in accordance to the flesh with supply lines, you know, carnally speaking, that gets shut down. Boom, we have other supply lines. Other means for supply lines. And the blueprints, they come from above. You see? They come from above. Spiritual warfare, just like we studied on Sunday. Hardcore spiritual warfare. And a lot of saints, a lot of Christians are unprepared for the times. Unprepared for the times. The Antichrist spirit, this is nothing. I mean, it's it's intensifying. You can feel it. You can see it. 
But this is nothing. This is patty cake compared to what it's going to be. This is straight up patty cake. This is a walk in the park. Not even a walk in the park. This is a, 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 a skipping through the lily fields. It's going to get much, much worse. And then there's going to be peace, which will be false peace as prophesied, which will turn the Antichrist is going to kill Jews. And then the Antichrist is going to kill Christians. You see? Jews and then Christians. That's what's going to happen. Prophesied. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and darker and darker and darker and darker. And pray for the saints because many aren't ready. Many are unprepared and ill-equipped. But the remnant will be refined in these times. The remnant will be refined. Never forget that. And so open up your Bible to Numbers 36. That's my little announcement. And, you know, be in prayer too. You know, if you're a pastor, be in prayer. But if you're not a pastor, be in prayer. Be in prayer for direction where the Lord wants you, where the Lord is leading you, because it's very important where the Lord guides, you know, he always provides. Where the Lord guides, he always provides. Sometimes, you know, I talk with people and say, well, you always say the Lord, where the Lord guides, he provides. And I'm not saying his provision. Well, did he guide you where you're at? You see? So very, you, you hear us mention all the time through these messages, intimacy, 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 and it's not for nothing. You know, the, the time to be intimate with the Lord and have intimacy with Jesus Christ. It's now. It's not now. I mean, it was like, you know, years ago, but even more so now. As we get further and further into the events of the last days, these things must happen. They must happen. So open up your Bible to Numbers 36. Numbers 36 and the last book of the book of the last chapter in the book of Numbers. And here we are in verse 1. It says, now the chief fathers. Now, this is the uh, uh, patriarchal heads of the tribes, the, the chief fathers. Now, if you're a feminist, you hear me say patriarchal. It's like, oh, that just rubs you the wrong way. Now, a lot of times I talk with these feminists. And yes, they're feminists, but they're feminists for a reason. is because they're under the leadership of defunct males. You know, defunct patriarchs. Now, if you're a feminist, I love you, but get a new patriarch. Capital P, his name is Jesus Christ. You submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ the same way I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now the chief fathers, this is the patriarchy in, in the camp of Israel, the chief fathers of the families of the children of Gilead, the son of Mahir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of the sons of Joseph, you see. Now remember on our study in Genesis, Joseph was second in command at the right hand of Pharaoh. Now this was before God was forgotten. You see God's mercy, his grace, his love came to Egypt. A lot of times we think of Egypt as like, wow, you know, God judged Egypt. God's wrath came upon Egypt. And yes, that's true. But don't forget his grace and mercy and love went to Egypt first. You see, it's all anytime you see judgment in the Bible or wrath in the Bible, there's that's always the aftermath of grace that has been rejected or God's mercy and love that has been rejected. We see it in Egypt because remember there was the famine in Egypt and the Lord rescued Egypt through Joseph a type of Christ who was at the right hand of Pharaoh, just as Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. And then you see Egypt, a period of uh, uh, safety for Egypt during the famine. Now, what happens in the course of time that Pharaoh dies? You have a generation that is raised and 
less and less and less of the Lord. People forgot the Lord. People forgot the Lord. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, these Jews, they're going to come against us Egyptians now, so let's enslave them. And so they enslave them. Now the Jews are like, wow, you know, we're enslaving, enslaved, and they're praying to the Lord. Lord, we're in bondage. We're in bondage. But these things must happen in order for these things to become fulfilled. What, what the Lord said to Abraham. Remember our study in Genesis. These things had to happen. The 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 fullness of the uh, uh, the the fullness of the uh, 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 wickedness is what the Bible says in Genesis when the Lord gave His promises to Abraham. You see, everything in accordance to God's time, which is perfect, perfect perfection with the Lord. And so this lineage of Joseph, remember Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, remember? And the blessings of Jacob came to his grandsons before his own sons. His, they came to his grandsons before his own sons. And so that, remember our study in Genesis. And so what happened in, in verse one here, the, these heads in the lineage of Joseph, these patriarchs, they came near and spoke before Moses, still in verse one, before Moses and before the leaders, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. And they said, the Lord commanded my Lord Moses. Now you see here, L-O-R-D in all caps, that's God. And then you see lowercase L-O-R-D, that's Moses. You see, the Lord, just like, you know, uh, what was referred to as um, when, when, when David referenced the Lord, you know, the, 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 the uh, uh, capital L, but in reference to David, lowercase L, you see, you see here, the Lord commanded my Lord Moses. You see the authority of Moses, but then you see the supreme authority of the Lord. You know, and it's so powerful when you see what's happening here. You see these patriarchs in the lineage of Joseph. They go to Moses and they say, the Lord commanded my Lord Moses, the Lord commanded my Lord Moses. Number one, there's several things happening here. The acknowledgement of the authority of Moses, but also the acknowledgement that Moses himself is in submission to the Lord. It says to give the land as an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. Now, this is so beautiful what we're seeing among the patriarchs here, because yes, that you see that, 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 God's order, Israel is following. The, the patriarchs didn't, they, they didn't hear like, well, what about in this situation? And then the patriarchs just all of a sudden start devising their own plans. No, they go to Moses. You see, they go to their authority, Moses, and then all of a sudden they seek the will of the Lord. It's so important to see what we're, what's happening in the camp of Israel. We're seeing self-government because they are applying the things that they've learned. But when I say self-government, it's under God, under God, under the rule of the Lord, just like we see with... Uh, with Jacob even. Remember, Jacob wrestled with the Lord. And prior to Jacob wrestling with the Lord, how many times do we see he would always say, the God of my father, the God of my father, the God of my father, the God of my father. He would always say that the God of my father, never personal. And then all of a sudden, after the wrestling match, he limped because the Lord messed him up. He, he limped afterwards because the Lord messed him up. And then all of a sudden, the Lord changed his name to Israel, governed by God, governed by God. You see? And that's what you see here in the camp of Israel, this lineage of Joseph. They're 
governed by God. Now, I say self-government, but this self-government, it's not like self in terms of uh, uh, the exaltation of self. It's self-government because look at what they're doing in obedience to the law. And I'm not advocating the law in saying that, but yet the law is given and Israel is following. And so, so you see, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so we see here, and it says in verse 2, And my Lord, lowercase l, and my Lord was commanded by the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the covenant name of God. My Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance to our brother Zelophehad to his daughters. You see, and so this is kind of like buttresses our study from chapter 27 about the five daughters of Zelophehad. But then so this question is being posed and it's based on either circumstances or maybe there was somebody in the camp in in this particular camp in this particular tribe maybe somebody had the question hey patriarchs what do we do you know on the i mean if you go on the lower end of the totem pole so to speak the lower echelon of the totem pole so to speak you go and not, not to speak of like uh uh stature not to say that there's somebody lower in statue but it's like a child, let's say like a child who goes to a dad and says, hey, pops, you know, what do I do in this situation? And maybe the pops is like, well, you know, I don't really know. Let me ask the pastor, you see, or the pop says, hey, you know, I don't really know, but, you know, let's let's talk to mama about it. And then the, the, the two come together and then the mom says, I think this should happen now. Now, husbands. Go to the Lord, you know, your wife might say something, but make sure you go to the Lord because your wife might be crazy. You know, your wife might say, well, I think we should uh, put our son up for adoption. You know, your wife might be in crazy town. So husbands, you know, you have your wife as a helper, but always go to the Lord. You know, Lord, my wife says this, you know, and my wife says this. And the Lord might say, hey, your wife is awesome. Your wife is on point. She is the helper that I've given you. Or the Lord might confirm your wife is straight up crazy. You see, just like we see in Genesis, because in Genesis, remember how the Lord came against Abraham because Abraham heeded his wife. But then you keep reading and all of a sudden the Lord, all of a sudden the Lord's like, well, you know, your wife is, listen to your wife. So it's like, well, wait a second. What's the difference? The difference is that Abraham never, never consulted with the Lord. You see, so, you know, Abraham was punished because he listened to the counsel of his wife. But then in the next several chapters, his, his wife's counsel is good. But what's the difference? Why did the Lord say Abraham was bad in one area, but good in another area? And, and, and he did the exact same thing. Well, the difference is this. Abraham confirmed it with the Lord. You see, a lot of husbands get off into crazy town because their wife is straight up crazy. The husband uh, submits to the wife. You see, it should never be that way. It should never be that way. Because, you know, your wife might say, husbands, your wife might say, oh, yeah, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. You go to the Lord and the Lord might confirm, okay, you know, this is what we do. Because and the, the Lord might say to you, yes, this is good. Listen to your wife. She's the helper that I've given you. Or the Lord might say, your wife is straight up crazy. You know, I've spoken to men before. They say, oh, yeah, my wife is a prophetess. And so whatever she says, it comes to pass. So I'm going to do whatever she says. Fools. And you, you look at the fruit of it, the result of it, and you see all kinds of mess. It's like, well, if you're, if you're going to commit idolatry and make wife God, you're in trouble. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. 
You go to the Lord. Your wife might say, oh, your, your wife might tell you, oh, I'm a prophetess. I'm a prophetess. I'm a prophetess. You read the Bible. You go to the Lord. You're maturing in Christ. Your wife says, oh, I'm a prophetess. I'm a prophetess. You say, no, babe, you're straight up crazy. You're crazy. I love you, but you're crazy. You see? And you, husband, you submit to the Lord. And so what we see here is somebody in the camp, somebody in this tribe, they pose this question. And it, it moved its way up to the to the ranks, so to speak. It moved its way up to the ranks, to the patriarchy. And what do they do? They go to Moses. Do you see this? These levels of what's at You look at it's, it's the example of a child. A child says, you know, has this question. I, I, you know, I don't. A baby Christian. A baby Christian. A, a, a child has this. You know, what do I do in this situation, Lord? And he's praying to the Lord, this little kid praying to the Lord, no answer. And maybe he just doesn't understand. You know, it's like, it's not to say that the Lord is like silent and was, oh, forget you, kid. No, it, the kid is too young to understand these things, a deeper understanding of the word of God. And so the kid says, hey, pops, I got this situation. What do I do? Look at the, look at those transactions that are happening. Number one. This child has a legitimate question, a legitimate scenario, and wants it to be, it wants to be in obedience to the Lord. And because he doesn't know what to do, he goes to the next in command, you know, the, you know, he's always in submission to his parents. But when I say the next in command, like the next, you know, up the chain of command, so to speak, you know, hey, pops, what do I do? Pops, what do I do? Now, if the, if the dad is crazy, that kid's, you know, in a bad situation. If the dad is crazy, that kid's in a bad situation, which says what? Men, don't be crazy. You see, you submit to the Lord, you submit to his spirit, and he'll guide you. He'll show you. And so all of a sudden, so that's like a little, I mean, I, I say transaction, but look what happens in the heart of that child. It's obedience unto the Lord. Yes, he has a question, and the question he could, his passions of his heart could be completely wrong, completely even wicked. But the fact that he's in submission and in obedience to the Lord, hey, dad, what do I do? You see, he learns, if it's wicked, he'll, he'll learn from his dad through the Bible. Hey, this is wickedness, son. You see? And then it could be that it's so beautiful. Yes, there's this wicked passion if it's wicked, but yet just the fact that he desires to be in obedience to the Lord it's, it's so beautiful when you see this happen. It's very rare, but it's beautiful when you see this happen. And then the dad, maybe he's more mature than the child, but still doesn't know, you know, okay, I, I still don't know. And he goes to his wife. He says, oh, wife, I, you know, we have this situation. What do we do, wife? And the wife says, well, I think we should put our child under, uh, in, into adoption. I think we should sell our child on the black market. You see, the wife is crazy. The wife is crazy if that were to happen. And a lot of husbands, because they want to submit to their wives, they say, okay, my wife, the prophetess, says I should sell you into the black market. And bye, son. Nice knowing you, son. Bye. You see? That's what happens. Now, I'm being kind of, you know, these are the extremities of scenarios, but it happens. Husbands are in submission to wife. It should never be that way. Husband. Men. It should never be that way. Now, you go to the Lord. Your wife says, you know, uh, we, we need to sell our kid in the black market. Okay. Okay, wife. That's nice. You know, let's go to the Lord. Let me go to the Lord. 
husband goes on his face before the Lord. Lord, you know, my son has this valid concern and, you know, praise you. I thank you, Lord. Praise you that he's coming to me for questions. You know, he didn't go to his friends that were going to say, hey, let's go get high. Let's go to the strip club. He didn't come to his friends. He came to me and thank you, Lord, that he acknowledges me as that authority in his life. And then I asked my wife and she wants to sell in the black market. And Lord's going to say, you know what? Your wife is crazy. Your wife is crazy. He's don't sell your wife, your, your kid in the black market. Understand that your wife is crazy. You have some work to do. Your wife is crazy. And this is what I want you to do. Or, you know, go talk to your pastor. Go talk to your pastor. You see, that's what that's that's the biblical model. But you have a lot of husbands in submission to their wives. It should never be that way. Now, it could be the wife should say, well, you know, we, you know, the, the husband goes to the wife and says, wife, you know, we have this situation. The son was like this and I don't know what to do. I looked at the Bible. I prayed and, you know, it's not really clear. And the wife might say, you know what? Go talk to the pastor. Or the wife might say, well, you know, I've also been in prayer about it. Let's be in prayer together. And, you know, let's just wait on the Lord. Now, the husband can go to the Lord and the Lord's going to say, you know what? You have a beautiful wife. She's helping you. She's helping you in your circumcision unto me. You see? And it's beautiful. The wife could, the, the, the Lord might confirm that your wife is crazy or the Lord might confirm that your wife is beautiful. You see? Husband. Men. You see? And that's what you see. You see an Old Testament example of this because this situation arose in this per- per- particular camp. And look at all the prior disobedience. I mean, even from, we could say the golden calf, from the golden calf to now, look at all the disobedience. You have this, this group of people. These are the group that have made it this far, just like in the old, in, the, in our study in the New Testament, how you hear us say from time to time, not many Christians make it this far. Look at the ones that have made it this far in the Old Testament. After all the judgment that has happened, the 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 the, uh, 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 the sin of Korah and everybody that wanted to yield to Korah instead of yielding to the Lord, they yielded to Korah and the Lord killed them. Judgment came, or when they were defeated by the Canaanites, judgment came upon Israel. Look at this camp; these people who have made it this far, and the ones that have made it this far, they've learned. They're different. It's a different makeup of the, the people that were in Numbers chapter 1. Now, you might say, well, but it's the same people. This guy in, in, in Numbers 36, he's the exact same guy of Numbers 1. And it could be. It could be that, you know, that this is the, with human eyes, this is the exact same guy. Internally, with spiritual eyes, non-carnal, he's a different guy. He's a different guy. You see, you're seeing this obedience. So somebody in the camp, hey, what, what, what about this? What about this? And they're not being stupid about it. You know how sometimes kids, they'll, they'll uh, kind of be conniving with their parents. Hey, dad, what about this? What about that? You know, they're, they're, they're being manipulative. You don't see that here. You don't see that manipulation. Very valid questions. What about this scenario? And so they go up the chain. What if it was a little kid? What if it was a 18-year-old kid? What if it was a 15-year-old kid? Hey, dad, what about this situation? The dad didn't say, well, you know, if it feels good, just do it. No, the dad goes up the chain. Hey, I need to go to the patriarchs. Hey, patriarchs, what do we do in this situation? The patriarchs consult. It's not the patriarchs don't say, well, if it feels good, go ahead and do it. No, the patriarchs, they consult among themselves. What do we do? I don't know. What do we do? 
Okay, patriarchs, you know, hold on. Tell your son to hold on. You see, tell your son to just hold on a minute. And the patriarchs, what do they do? They go to Moses. You see? You see this, this, I say chain of command and up the totem pole, but it's like the, this hierarchy, this structure. And, and when I say hierarchy, I, it kind of rubs me the wrong way when I say that. I don't mean hierarchy in, in terms of, in a carnal way. I, I, I mean hierarchy in a spiritual way. Just like Jesus Christ is in submission to the Father and husbands, men are in submission to Jesus Christ and wives submit to their husbands and kids submit to their parents. The exact same thing in the Old Testament here. You see, now husband goes off into crazy town. The wife is in submission to Jesus Christ. You see, the wife holds on to their husband. The wife holds on to their kids with, for dear life. And her body becomes a cross in submission under Jesus Christ. One hand is the husband. The other hand is are the kids. You see, that's what, that's the biblical model. Submission. Our Lord and Savior himself is in submission to the Father. But that's what you see here. This Old Testament example of Godly submission, godly submission, and it's beautiful. And you see, the people are now being governed by God, allowing their, themselves, submitting themselves, and being governed by God. They go to Moses, you see, and so they raise this valid question. The question is this in, in, in verse 3 now. If they are married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of our fathers, and it will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So it will be taken from the lot of our inheritance. So because through marriage, if these daughters marry into another tribe, what happens? Because of the inheritance laws, you're going to have families that double dip, tribes that double dip. Because there's, you know, of of the tribe of the daughter, a portion is for her. But then of the tribe of whom she marries, a por a, a, another that portion would be added to him under that lineage. And so you're going to have a generation that double dips, gain for one and loss for another. You see, and you have to remember our study in twenty chapter twenty seven. So a very valid question. I don't know who initially posed it. But whoever initially posed it, it's a question that's moved, that has moved its way up the ranks and found itself presented to Moses, you see? And this double dipping, it poses another question. It poses another scenario. And that scenario is this. Look at verse 4. And when, the, and when the Jubilee of the children of Israel comes, and this is our study from Leviticus, the previous book, Leviticus chapter 25 about uh, 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 Jubilee, and the patriarchs are seeking guidance. They're asking for guidance in accordance to prior laws that were given in Leviticus 25. But do you see how beautiful it is that they themselves are in submission to these laws that were previously given? Now, in acknowledgement of these laws, they desire to... Not just apply these laws, but live a life in submission to these laws. Do you see? Because when this question was posed, they could have easily said, well, if it feels good, go ahead and do it. You want to marry this guy? Go ahead and marry this guy. Yeah, you know, the law says that our, uh, uh, our your inheritance will go to theirs. So we're going to have a, a portion of our inheritance go to theirs. It's going to beef up theirs and decrease ours. Eh, 
no big deal. So be it. You know, no big deal. Well, what would happen if, say, all the women in this tribe married another tribe? What would happen in the course of time? That tribe would disappear. No inheritance in the court. I mean, it'd take a long time, but I mean, in the course of time, that would ha- that's what would happen. But these prior laws that were given in Leviticus thirty-five, Leviticus twenty-five about the jubilee. Now you have this remnant that desires to be in submission to this law, the law of not just the law of jubilee, the Levitical law, which leads to where we're at here in Numbers with regard to inheritance. You see what's happening here. This is something that you don't see in prior chapters in the book of Numbers. What happened in the prior chapters was a lot of disobedience. You see, disobedience. You know, picture if Korah was to say this happened in Numbers chapter 3 when Korah was still around. What if the patriarchs, they said, well, you know, this guy, Korah, he says that, you know, he thinks Moses, you know, he just like he, Moses is pompous, you know, so I kind of agree with him. So, hey, patriarchs, let's go talk with Korah. What do you think Korah would say? Korah would indeed give counsel. But do you think his counsel would be in alignment to the things of the Lord? No way. The Lord killed him. God killed him. And those who followed him. Men, women, children. The earth opened up and killed them all. Why? Because of the rebellion, and the rebellion was against the Lord. You see? His ways. But now you have this. That would be if Korah was still alive. Korah is not alive. The Lord killed him, judged him. Not to say, you know, remember, anytime you see God's judgment or wrath, there's always a period of grace, mercy, and love, even with Korah. Korah Korah had his chance to yield to the Lord. He chose otherwise, and the Lord killed him. You see, that's heavy. That's hardcore. People say, you know, as Christians, we're a a people of a new covenant, a people of the new covenant, the better covenant as prophesied in Hebrews. We're a people of the new covenant. And a lot of times I talk to Christians and say, I I don't don't like to read the Old Testament. It's too hardcore. What do you mean hardcore? Well, look what God did to Korah. Yeah, okay. God did that. He judged Korah and God's wrath came upon Korah. The earth opened up and Korah and all those who followed him, they, they died. I, I don't like to read that. I don't like to, I don't like to study the Old Testament because that's too harsh. What do you mean that's harsh? This door of grace, it's, it's a, a little spoiling in the church. A little spoiling because we're spoiled. It's like, oh, I, I don't like to read these things. God never changes. God never changes. I never change, saith the Lord. Read Malachi. I never change, saith the Lord. Since he never changed, you know, we're spoiled because we're under grace currently, but this door of grace, it's not going to be open forever. It will close. In the last days, it will close. And the Bible teaches us about what the world will look like. Certain uh, check marks, certain uh, 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 goalposts, so to speak, of the events of the last days, which, which leads to the closing of the door of grace. It's also referred to as the fullness of the Gentiles. The fullness of the Gentiles comes. Remember our study in uh, Romans chapter 11? The fullness of the Gentiles come, and then the focus goes back to Israel in accordance to the prophecies of uh, Isaiah, and the focus goes back to, it goes back to Israel, and uh, uh, the, the blindness is removed from Israel. And then you read the prophecies of Zechariah 12, 13, and 14, and then you see 
all things coming to pass. You see, in Jesus Christ, crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. You and me today, we crown Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. We do it spiritually. We do it willingly. In our hearts, in our minds, we do it willingly because we believe. You see, just as Jesus Christ says to uh, doubting Thomas, well, I shouldn't say doubting Thomas because at that moment he wasn't doubting anymore, but Jesus Christ says, blessed is he who believes and has not seen. Blessed are they who believe and have not seen. That's you, that's me today. You see, now, if you're listening and you're not a believer, hit pause and listen to a message called how to commit your life to Christ and you commit your life to Jesus Christ and then you come back and you listen. You see? Now, I have to preface that by also saying that if you're on a platform where it's like you search and it's just like, wow, there's I don't see that here. Well, go to the church website, contact us, and we'll get that to you because some platforms it's not available yet. And so uh, we'll have that available uh, uh, very soon, but some platforms it's it might not be available, but we'll... We'll make that available as soon as possible. But if you're on a platform where it's not there just quite yet, go to the church website, contact us, and we'll make that available to you. It's very, very important for you to be unbelieving no more. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. We're living in the last days straight up. We are living in the last days. And so what we see here is that you see the people... This 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 particular question that is posed, this scenario, what do we do in this scenario? You see, they're seeking guidance, you see, guidance. And it's so beautiful because now you see, I mean, picture if this question were posed to the same patriarchs, but in years prior. Say this question was posed to the patriarchs in Numbers chapter 2. Do you think that they would be in submission to the Lord and in submission to the Lord, wondering what do we do and then going to Moses? Do you think that they would do that? No. You see, even amongst these, amongst the patriarchs, even they have matured. And so they're handling everything in a manner that is pleasing unto the Lord. You see? But the same thing applies to us. Remember our study in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians? And how many times do you hear us say in 2 Corinthians, most Christians don't make it this far? Sometimes in 1 Corinthians, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, most Christians don't make it this far. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, most Christians don't make it this far. How many times did you hear us say that? 2 Corinthians, most Christians don't make it this far. Because there are very valid concerns in any Christian, but few have the maturity to handle things that honor the Lord, which is why you look at the state of the church today, and it's a mess. It is a straight-up mess. Now, remember, what the Bible teaches, what the Bible prophesies, is that judgment comes first in the house of God. Judgment comes first in the house of God. It's a heavy cost to have this mess that we see in the church today. I've talked to atheists before, agnostics before. They say, oh man, you know what? I've seen the Christian church. I've gone to churches and I want nothing to do with that. Now, I ask them, well, where did you go to fellowship? Where did, where, where did you where did you hear? Where did you see? Where did you go? They tell me where they go. I say, look, I'm, on, I'm in the same boat. I want nothing to do with that either. But surprise, let me tell you something. They're wrong. They're wrong. What you were exposed to, biblically speaking, it should have never happened. Because you have babies teaching babies. 
Straight up. Babies teaching babies. Oh, you're so mean-spirited. How dare you say that? What's The proof is in the pudding. What's mean-spirited about that? You, It's truth. This is what you see. I mean, an, an atheist recognizes, wow, that's crazy. The agnostic recognizes, wow, that's crazy. You read the Bible and you, wow, the Bible even says, hey, that's crazy. You see, we have to be a people that are Bereans, understanding the word, knowing the word. And remember, knowledge is a gift, not the greatest gift, but it's a gift nonetheless. Among many gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifting of the Holy Spirit. And it's so beautiful because we see this maturity in the camp of Israel. The numbers one generation is not the same as the numbers 36 generation. Now, the majority of those in that first generation, they have died or they are dying. This second generation they're the ones that are going to cross over into the promised land. Except for two. There's two holdovers from that first generation. Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua. But what's so beautiful about Caleb and Joshua is that when everybody was afraid of the Canaanites, there were two who were unafraid. Caleb and Joshua. The next generation. Not just of righteousness, but there's something different about these people. You see, leadership, leadership, just like we see in the book of First uh, and Second Corinthians. You see, this remnant that passes through from First Corinthians to the last chapters of First Corinthians and into Second Corinthians. How many times do you hear say, "This is the remnant. This is the remnant. This is the remnant." And you're probably getting tired of hearing me say in Second Corinthians, "This is the remnant. This is the remnant. This is the remnant." But you know what? It's the remnant. It's the remnant. And so how many times do you hear us say the next generation, not just of righteousness, but of leadership in Paul's bubble, so to speak, his sphere. Remember? But we see the exact same thing here in Numbers 36. It's different. The tribes are different. The people are different. And what's different about them? They're yielding to the Lord. And so this question is posing, you know, in verse 4, and when the Jubilee of the children of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So there's several things here. In accordance with the inheritance laws, so the inheritance laws, what we studied in uh, chapter 27 of Numbers, you see that uh, the inheritance laws, then if if through the female if the 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 uh, inheritance of the fathers goes to the daughters but then what happens if that daughter marries into another tribe it's like so that tribe is going to double dip there's going to be inheritance uh, there's going to be the, the the passage of the family through the male but then the passage of the family through the daughter and you're going to have one tribe getting more and another tribe dwindling in the course of time not only that what about when Jubilee comes? Do you see these layers of statutes that Israel is applying, the remnant of Israel that they're applying? Okay, what about this situation? What do we do? And then also, if this situation applies, then there's also Jubilee. What do we do? Do you see these layers of statutes? And in these layers of statutes, Israel, this camp, they desire to be in obedience to the Lord. You see? They desire to be 
in obedience to, to the Lord. And these are very legitimate concerns. Very legitimate concerns. And somebody in the camp, it could have been a son, it could it might have even been a daughter. It could have been anybody. But this concern made its way to the top. You see? And it's not to say, oh, you know, do whatever you want. No. Let's valid concern and let's follow it. What, what, what do we do? The patriarchs don't know, so they go to Moses. What, what, what do we do? You see, they're learning government. Government under God. Remember, the, the government that they were exposed to before, they were in bondage. They've seen tyrannical governments. This is an entirely different government, and they've learned it. They'll forget it. I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, uh, be like a Debbie Downer, but in the course of time, they're going to forget certain aspects of the law. Some are going to forget. Some are going to know and willingly go against it. And remember, the Lord is reactionary. We're going to see exactly what the Lord does, and we're going to understand why he does it, and we're going to see people that when they're caught, they repent. When they realize what they've done, they repent. And we're going to see people when they realize what they've done, they don't repent. And then there's a little period of, of grace where it's like, are you sure you want to do this? And then you're going to see them. When they don't do it, you're going to see them die. The Lord will kill them. You see? Always grace, mercy, and love before judgment and wrath. Always. Always. Old Testament, New Testament, always. You say, I thought the New Testament was all good, all about God's grace. Well, in the door of grace, understand that God's wrath comes upon individuals. Listen to our study through Romans 1. God's wrath falls on individuals. It will come across the land. It will befall the land. It will befall the earth. But it also, prior to that, it befalls individuals. Now, I say listen to Romans 1 or study through Romans 1. But if you don't have that, go to the church website and say, hey, I don't have that. And we'll make that available to you. You see, it's very important to understand the Lord never changes. The Lord never changes. You say, wait a second. I thought you, refer you, you just mentioned not too long ago, you mentioned a, a better covenant. A better covenant. So did he change? No, remember, the first covenant was created with loopholes. Our study through Romans 8. The first covenant was created with loopholes so that room could be sought for another, the better covenant under the better mediator, capital M, speaking of Jesus Christ, the prophesied Messiah. You see? Does that mean that the law is over? No, the law is still in effect. The law is a schoolmaster tutor to bring people to Christ. The law is still holy. We just study that. The law is still holy. It's like the low beams and the high beams. The law is still holy. There's still light in the law. But under the law, it brings death. You see? It's, it's still holy. But how much more holy how much more light, super lights, are abiding in Christ, you see? And that's what we see here in the Old Testament. You see this learning, learning this camp of Israel. They're learning, they're maturing. They're maturing in the law. Yes, it's the law. I'm not advocating the law, but you see maturity being ha happening here. And this maturity happens before entering the promised land, what we're going to study in Joshua before entering the promised land, you see Israel is different. This second generation, different. <clears throat> and so we see here in verse 4, 
So their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of their fathers. Very, very valid concern. Very, very uh, uh, valid scenario, which might be happening in real time or it might come in the, it will definitely come in the future, but very valid. In verse five, then Moses commanded the children of Israel, according to the word of the Lord. I love this so much because Moses consults the Lord according to the word of the Lord, you see? So this, I say chain of command, but this hierarchy, is, uh, it's just this order of operations, I should say. Under this order, this question arises to the patriarch. Hey, you know, what do we do? What do we do? The patriarch, they, they can't figure it out. And so they say, okay, well, hold on. We're going to go to Moses. Moses, what do we do? Moses, hold on. Very valid concern. Very valid concern. Moses wasn't grieved in his heart saying, Oh, you want, you, you want to kill your daughter or you want to disobey the Lord and not do the inheritance. You, you, you want to disobey the Lord and not acknowledge Jubilee. You want to, him, Moses isn't grieved. Very valid concern. Moses goes to the Lord. I love this so much. Moses goes to the Lord. And what's so beautiful about our study in Deuteronomy, just a, just a, a little precursory mention before we open up the book of Deuteronomy, but you're going to see Moses it's the same Moses, but it's more introspective in terms of what he gives Israel. It's like, you remember our study through the book of Acts, how we see the hands and the feet of Paul, what he does, where he goes, the works of his hands and his speech. And we see these things. But then you get into passages in Corinthians and he says, man, I was... I was grieved in my heart in, in this situation. I was grieved in my heart when this was happening. I was I had anxiety in my heart when this was happening. Remember the, the home invasion in the book of Acts? You read it, like, wow, there's a home invasion, you know, a great commotion about the way, and you read these things. But then you get into passages in Romans, a little bit in Romans, a little bit more in Corinthians, and Paul kind of reveals his heart, like what was what was brewing in his heart. And I love that so much because it's like, wow, you see in the book of Acts, you see the hands, the feet, you kind of get like a outside view, but then you read the epistles and you get an internal view. What's going on in his heart? What's going on in his mind? And by his own experience, exhorting the churches, exhorting the saints. And that's what we see in Deuteronomy. It's like the heart of Moses being poured out. Where, you know, before it was where like in, in Numbers, you know, you'd see the Lord say, uh, the Lord said to Moses and then Moses said to the people. And in Deuteronomy, you see where Moses would say, the Lord told me that it's like a, a the dissertation of Moses. And that's what I love so much. And you're, you're going to see more intricacies of Moses from Moses' perspective, his intimacy with the Lord. Why the Lord said these things. What? Moses said to the Lord how the Lord responded and how Moses was grieved and how he was joyed. You're going to see that in Deuteronomy. A lot of overlap in Deuteronomy and Numbers and even Leviticus, even Exodus, a lot of overlap. But Deuteronomy is more uh, introspection from the perspective of Moses, the last book of the, the Torah. So when we're done with the book of Deuteronomy, you will have officially studied the Torah the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. You will have officially have this knowledge of the Pentateuch as new covenant believers. You see, so beautiful, so beautiful what the Lord is showing us here. Through the law, we're straight up in the law. 
straight up in the law. And so in verse 5, then Moses commanded the children of Israel, according to the word of the Lord. You see, Moses goes to the Lord. Not Moses thinking like, well, I think this is okay. Let's go ahead and do this. No, everything, everything in obedience to the Lord. It's so powerful when you see just the lineage of what is happening where like somebody has this question. Maybe it's a daughter. Maybe it's a, a, a female who, you know, this rule was established by the daughters of Zelophehad and this daughter who fell in love with a guy in a different tribe and well, what, what's going to happen? And the daughter asks her dad and the dad doesn't know and the dad goes to the patriarchs. The patriarchs don't know. The patriarchs go to Moses and Moses was like, well, wow, you know, this is a valid concern. So let me go to the Lord. And, you know, the Lord responds and everything being passed back down to the children. You see? It's so powerful. And not just one law. We're going back to Leviticus, Jubilee, in various aspects of Jubilee. You see, it's like obedience is being desired for one law, law number two, law number three, law number four. And I, I don't mean law like the Ten Commandments. I mean statute, I should say. Statute number one, two, three, four, based on different scenarios, different situations. You see, this is a different Israel. This is not Numbers chapter one Israel. This is a Numbers 36 Israel. Different. How many times? You're, you're, you're probably tired of hearing me say it. The Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 7. It's not a 1 Corinthians 3 people. Yes, it's still Corinth. Yes, they're still the saints. And yes, it's still, you know, the church of Corinth. But they're different. Same thing. Same concept. Israel. Yes, it's Israel, but it's different Israel. It's an Israel that desires obedience unto the Lord. And so look what happens here. Then Moses in verse 5 commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, what the tribe uh, what the tribe of the sons of Joseph speak is right. Is right. You see? That's what is so beautiful. It's just like, remember in, in uh, chapter 27, verse 7, what the daughters, the daughters of Zelophehad, they speak what is right. You see? It's so beautiful. It's it's not Moses wanting to be like the Lord over anybody's faith and be like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that, daughters of Zelophehad. Or no, 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 you uh, people of Joseph, you can't do this. No, Moses is like, no, let me go to the Lord. Very valid concern, daughters of Zelophehad. Let me go to the Lord. Let's see what the Lord has to say. Oh, very valid concerns, sons of Joseph. Uh, let me, let's see what the Lord has to say. Hold on a second. It might take a couple of days, might take a couple of weeks, might take a couple of minutes, but let's see. Let's let's consult the Lord. Hold on. You see how beautiful this is? And the Lord says to Moses, Look, they speak what is right. The daughters of Zelophehad, they speak what is right. The sons of Joseph, they speak what is right. You see? It's I, it's obedience. It's obedience. And it's beautiful. Obedience being desired all through this camp in this particular situation. Now, this is beautiful. It's going to turn ugly pretty soon. But it's beautiful. You see, it's beautiful. The problem, you know, you hear me say this is beautiful. And yes, it is beautiful. I'm not advocating the law, but in accordance to the law and where we're in a study, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The problem that happens is that people forget. 
When we get into Joshua and the judges, the people forget. They forget. You see, what happens in the church today? People forget. We take advantage of God's grace, His mercy and His love. We take advantage of the deceitfulness of sin. You see, the deceitfulness of trespasses. How it... The hardening of a heart that can occur through trespassing and through through sin. How we forget the Lord. It's one of the traps of Satan. You know, it's just like, you know, when I was a kid, they always says, you know, don't talk to strangers. You know, stranger danger. Well, that was, they just said, don't talk to strangers. The stranger danger was like later on. But when for, when I was a kid, that was, don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. You know, and what are the strangers? They have like candy out. Hey, kid, come over here. One time I was walking with my friends. We're walking home, and this van, you know, this, like you know, the creeper vans. You know, uh, we had a different name for them, but we call them the creeper vans, or we call them something else. But the, the creeper van pulls up. A couple guys jump out, and we were they were probably just trying to scare us. I don't know. They could have been up to like no no good, but we just booked it across this field. There's this farmer who lived there, and he would like threaten the kids, like, "Hey, if you come through my farm, I'm gonna shoot you. I'm gonna shoot you." We could care. We didn't want to get like abducted, so we just booked it through that through that field, like a cornfield. And oh my goodness, we were so freaked. We we're just little kids, but like it, you know, you see these examples of like, you know, what happens when the Lord is forgotten? Well, that's what Satan does. He said, "Hey, kid, come over here. Come over here. I got this candy for you. Hey, kid, come over here. I got this ice cream for you. Wouldn't this be good? Hey, come here. Check this out. You see." It's dangerous to be a baby. It's beautiful to be a baby in Christ. It's beautiful for babies. But it's dangerous to remain a baby because we can get seduced and pulled. You know, hey, kid, come over here. Hey, little baby, come over here. I got some candy for you. No. The wise, the wise are wide awake and the wise are dangerous, just like our study on Sunday. In a dangerous environment, you and me, we have to be dangerous. So that we can fight, we can fight and engage. You see, same thing. So, the, in verse five here, what the tribe of the sons of Joseph speak, they're right. It's right. In verse six, this is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, "Let them marry who they think best." I love this. You know, let them marry who they think best. Now, now, you you have to wrap this around. Other passages, especially as New Covenant believers. Number one, I'm not advocating the law. But then number two, as New Covenant believers, you know, be equally yoked. It's not just, okay, marry. This guy is so cute. You want to marry him? Don't, you know, just, there's qualifiers. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked. You know, or even, uh, there's not a lot of uh, detail when pastors and teachers, when they say don't be unequally yoked, but. It should be prefaced by saying in sound, in accordance to sound doctrine, because you're going to have a cute guy in a church that goes grave soaking and a girl's going to be in a church where the pastor says, don't go grave soaking. It's an abomination before the Lord. And then the girls, oh, this guy's so cute. He goes to this church where they go grave soaking. He's so cute. He's so cute. And then all of a sudden it's going to marry him, be in submit herself to him, self-inflicted, submit 
herself to him. And then all of a sudden, this pastor, oh, don't go grave soaking. It's abomination before the Lord. All of a sudden, they have babies. You know, they get married. They have babies. All that. He's a believer. We're equally yoked. He's a believer. We're equally yoked. Okay. Okay. But you're also going grave soaking. You're also taking your baby's grave soaking. You see? Oh, but I'm not, I'm not unequally yoked. I'm equally yoked. He's a believer. Well, he's probably a baby. Well, he's either a baby or, you know, he's being, he's a baby. He's a baby. You see, I, we can get into other things like he's being seduced into more nefarious things, but ultimately I mean, that happens to babies. Ultimately, he's a baby. You see, so yeah, man, he, he might believe and praise be to the Lord, but there's little asterisks behind the equal yoking. You know, a little asterisk behind you. But he's so cute. She's so cute. I don't care. It's fading. Beauty is fading. It's fleeting. You see? now Nowadays, you have these 80-year-olds who think they're 20. You know, you have the 50-year-olds who think they're 20. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Then they get the Botox. They get all these things, and they just look weird like aliens. They just look weird. You see? And it's so it's so beautiful when you see righteousness and an old guy righteousness in an old lady righteousness in you know man women young old when you see righteousness who cares what they look like but when you see righteousness there is nothing more breathtaking and beautiful and gorgeous and handsome than righteousness nothing nothing and it's so beautiful because it's a byproduct of yielding to the word of God and yielding to the spirit, you see. And so a lot of times people see, oh, you know, you might have a girl who's like, you know, oh, this guy's so cute. He's a, uh, he, he, yeah, you know, he, he wants to, it's like a, a double whammy. He wants to go grave soaking and he says it's okay to take it the mark of the beast. What's going to happen? Oh, but, but the Bible says here that, you know, look at here. It says, let them marry who they think best in verse six. Let them marry who they think best. And I think this guy is best. Well, how are you thinking? Are you thinking in according to Adam? Or are you thinking in accordance to Christ? You see? Because what's going to happen? You're going to get married, have babies, and yeah, he believes, but where's the maturity? He's a baby. It's dangerous to be a baby. You see? And it's dangerous to be a baby. Now you're taking your little ones, grave soaking. Now your little ones are at the doctor's office getting the mark of the beast. And they'll still be saved in accordance to this doctrine, which is false doctrine, very dangerous doctrine. But it's prophesied. It must come to pass. See, little babies getting their little mark of the beast. Oh, how cute. How beautiful. No, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It is not in accordance to sound doctrine. You see, dangerous times. Dangerous times. In dangerous times, you have to be dangerous. Now, I speak of a female unto a male, but a female can be a helper to the male. But the male always has to confer with the Lord. You see, a female can help her husband, a wife can help her husband, but then the husband, you always go to the Lord, you know, because the wife, the Lord might tell you your wife is straight up crazy or look, I've given you a helper to help you because I want to be with you, husband, you see, to help you in your walk with the Lord. It's just like our study on Sunday, the little ones, they're flanked by parents mature dangerous parents dangerous mom dangerous dad and they can walk through fallujah 2004 fallujah you see so let them marry in verse six let them marry who they think best always wait on the lord but they may marry 
only within the family of their father's tribe. Very interesting. An Old Testament example of equal yoking. You see? Equal yoking. A preservation of inheritance. This is the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, same thing. Equal yoking. Do not be unequally yoked. You'll have problems. I tell you the truth, you will have problems. I've talked to guys before. Oh, I got this new girlfriend. I think I'm going to propose to her. Oh, wow, cool. Praise the Lord. She's a Christian, right? No, 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 no. She's a Catholic. Sometimes they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a Catholic. Catholicism isn't Christianity, my friend. You see, Catholicism is not biblical Christianity. People say it. I know you see it on TV, the news. They say, Christians, Christians, Christians. You see there, the Catholic priest. He's got his, all his regalia on. He's dressed. Like, well, that's not Christianity. You see, liturgy. Remember, we studied that. Biblical liturgy. Liturgio in the Greek. What it means biblically. Not in accordance to Rome. But in accordance to the Bible. Oh, look, she's a Christian. No, she's a Catholic. Oh, but I know you say I shouldn't be with a Catholic, but... Then show me a picture. Oh, but look at her. What? Who cares? I don't care what she looks like. Don't be unequally yoked. You see? Don't be unequally yoked. You're going to present problems. And I've seen it. Christian men. I, sh- I could say formerly Christian men too. Christian men. They marry a Catholic. And then all of a sudden, instead of dedicating their babies to the Lord, they're getting baptized in accordance to Rome. Instead of being baptized in accordance to the word of God, they're being baptized. The little ones are being, the children are being baptized in accordance to Rome. Infant baptism. You see, instead of baby dedications. Presenting to the Lord. Presented to Rome. You see. And then all of a sudden the kid grows up. Catechisms, the mass, all these things. And the next generation, who's the Lord? Who's Jesus? You're presenting another Jesus to the next generation, which is supposed to be righteous. So a lot of that, oh, you're so mean. How dare you say, but I love her. I love her. The lady says, oh, but I love him. I love him. How you're, you're so mean. You're breaking our heart. You're breaking our heart. Look, ultimately, the, the Lord teaches us that he loves godly offspring. What are you doing to the next generation of righteousness? You see, that's what we see here. An Old Testament example of this very thing. An Old Testament example of this very thing, which is let them marry, but only within the family of their father's tribe. You see in verse seven. So the inheritance of the children of Israel shall not change hands, shall not change hands from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. You see now. This inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. I have a message. It's a little special message if you're listening and you happen to be Jewish. Number one, I know Jews are kind of cautious of Christians because you have people of the Lutheran sect. Uh, Martin Luther, I have respect for him in a little regard because of what he did with the New Testament. But what he did with the New Testament, he should have done with the Old Testament because he was... He turned his doctrine turned very anti-Semitic. And so I get if you're Jew and you're like, well, I'm cautious of Christians because you Lutherans, you say this, you say this. And look at the Lutherans today. They're crazy. The Lutheran, the modern day Lutheran church, they're, 
they're, they're not in obedience to the word of God. Now, if you're Jewish and you're like, well, I'm cautious of Christians because of, you know, I hear what, you know, uh, John Piper says. John Piper's replacement theology. His theology is wrong. His theology is garbage. Replacement theology. He, I, oh, but he's a, a well-known pastor. He's a well-known this. Certain coalitions. Certain coalitions that sound, they have these, all these books and books for kids and books for adults from a certain coalition. Well, it's all in accordance to this doctrine, which is reformed, which is also unbiblical and replacement theology, supersessionism. It's, it's not sound doctrine. Jews are very cautious of these things because it's like, you know, how, how can the word of God, how can the prophecies of, how, how can the prophets, Isaiah and uh, uh, Jeremiah, prophesy things that are against us in terms of replacement theology? These are questions posed to Reformed theory. These are questions posed to the supersessionist. These are questions posed to the replacement theologian such as Piper. It's garbage. It's garbage. That doctrine is garbage. So if you're Jewish and you're listening, I want you to know in me, you will always have a friend. You will always have a friend. I don't care about the Piper. You're cautious of the Pipers? I'm cautious of the Pipers too. You're cautious of the Lutherans? I'm cautious of the Lutherans too. I don't accept that as doctrine. Oh, but this is a famous guy. He has his coalition. They have their coalition writings for children, coalition writings for adults. That's nice. That's nice. I don't care. Their doctrine is wrong. Their doctrine is wrong. Now, if you're Jewish, remember Joseph as a type of Christ. You see, Joseph was a type of Christ who was unrecognizable by his brothers. But when he was recognized at the revealing of Joseph, his brothers bowed down, bowed down to him. You see, you say, wait a second. Okay, I get that. But what about before Joseph? Well, don't forget the, the signet and cord and staff of Judah. I love that so much. You remember our study in Genesis? I love that so much. The signet, cord, and staff of Judah. You know what that says? My friend, the Jewish people, you're flanked. You're flanked by these types of Christ. Jesus Christ. In accordance to the flesh and in accordance to faith. Straight up. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, I say to my Jewish friends, but I also say this to my Arab friends. I know these messages are in different regions of the world, but to my Arab friends, I love you too. Never forget that Ishmael was circumcised before Isaac. You see, all these things will be settled. It's like a big... Do you remember, if you've been listening for a while, you remember our study in Genesis and through these genealogies, you'd always hear us mention it's one big family dispute. And it is. And it'll all be settled by the Lord himself. 
there's all these disputes about this, about that, about this, about that, and all kinds of different things. But it will all be settled in accordance to the prophecies, in accordance to the prophets, under the spirit. Remember, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. The spirit of the prophets will never say, hey, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved, as some so-called theologians do. The spirit of the prophets will never say, hey, let's go grave soaking. No, the spirit of Antichrist will. The spirit of Antichrist will say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. But not the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Elohim, God, the, the triune nature of God, Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the beginning was the word, the beginning was the word, and the, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word became flesh. You see, all these things are prophesied. All these things are prophesied. The Spirit of the Lord hovering over the face of the earth. You see? In the beginning, Elohim. You see? And so we continue in verse 8. And every daughter who possesses an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be the wife of one of the family of her father's tribe, so that the children of Israel each may possess the inheritance of his fathers. Thus, no inheritance shall change hands from one tribe to another, but every tribe of the children of Israel shall keep its own inheritance. You see, it's so beautiful. Now, if you're Jewish, and remember, I can't stress this enough, but at the unveiling of Joseph, what did they do? They bowed down to him and acknowledged him as Lord. But when Joseph told of his dreams. When Joseph told of his dreams, they thought he was crazy. Oh, let me tell you my dream. Let me tell you my dream, brothers. Oh, you're crazy. You know, we don't want to listen from you. You're just a little pipsqueak. Get out of here. You see? And then even Jacob, oh, tell us your dream. Tell us your dream, Joseph. And so Joseph says his dream. Yeah, okay, you guys were all bowing down to me. And they laughed. They laughed at him. And then Joseph even says, Hey, Dad, Jacob, you bow down to me too. And then Jacob laughed at him. Oh, that's so silly. That's silly talk, Joseph. But in the course of time, in the course of time, when Joseph was forgotten, sold into slavery, sold away, there was... An unveiling of Joseph, Zafnath Paneah. At his unveiling, what happened? It came to pass that the brothers bowed down to him. You see, they were blind for a moment. But at their unblinding, at the revealing of Jesus Christ, what happened? You see, what happened? They bowed down and acknowledged him. Second, second in command of Pharaoh. You see? At the right hand of Pharaoh. And so we see here in verse 10, Just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad. For now, you hear me mention, you know, these, you know, if you're Jewish and you're listening, and I know there's a lot of, what do I say? There's a lot of consternation, perhaps. There's a lot of reservation. You know, I, you know, I know you Christians, you like to say that you're a friend of the Jewish people, but I've heard Piper before and he's crazy. Let me tell you something. You're right. Piper is crazy. Oh, I, I'm nervous you tell me that, you know, 
that you Christians, you're a friend of Israel and all these things, but I've read Luther before and he's anti-Semitic. You're right. He, his writings are anti-Semitic. Oh, but you know, you're, you Christians, you teach replacement theology. The spirit of the Antichrist teaches replacement theology. The spirit of the Antichrist, which is on the rise in these last days for such a time as this. The spirit of the Antichrist teaches replacement theology. The spirit of Antichrist teaches, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be safe. The spirit of Antichrist says, let's go grave soaking. But I'm talking about the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, under the triune nature of God, Elohim, in the beginning, Elohim. So if you're Jewish... That's why I say, in me, you have a friend. In me, you have a friend. The prophecies, all of the prophecies of Isaiah will come to pass. Will come to pass. Remember, the stump, the stump, the prophecies of Isaiah, the prophecies of Jeremiah, and the stump is holy. The, st the tree was cut, yes, but there's a stump. And the stump is holy. What happens with that stump? A root of Jesse. You see? Jesus Christ. The Messiah. Son of the Most High God. You see? And just as the unveiling of Joseph caused the brothers of Joseph to bow down and worship him. Acknowledge him. And he provide, gave them food. And says, Come. Come and live with me. I'm taking my family. Get my father, Jacob. I'm, you know, come. He's old, but I want to see him. You see? The same exact thing is going to happen. That was Israel according to the flesh, but there's an Israel according to the spirit. You see? And just as there was blindness upon the brothers of Joseph, there is a blindness in the camp of Israel today. It won't be there forever. And I pray that that unblinding happens soon. And for you, if you're Jewish, it might be right here. It might be right now. And if that's the case, you hit pause and you listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We do it spiritually. One day we'll do it physically, but you do it spiritually right here, right now. Verse 10, just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad for Melah, Tirzah, Hogla, Milka, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, were married to the sons of their father's brothers. Now, sometimes you talk to the non-believers and the non-believers who are mockers in these last days, as prophesied. You have mockers around you? Bible prophecy being fulfilled right there. Somebody's mocking you as a Christian? Somebody's mocking your beliefs? Bible prophecy. Mockers of the last days? They say, oh, look, they, look they, 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 they're married to their... Uh, fathers, brothers, ooh, that's so gross, that's so disgusting, ooh, they, they mock you. But let me tell you something about the Christian marriage. You have a husband and you have a wife, the Christian marriage. That's in accordance to Adam. But in accordance to Christ, you know what you have? You have a husband and wife, but you also have brother and sister in Christ. You see, they have kids. You also have little ones. You also have Little brother, little sister in Christ. You see, one home under one roof. Now that's spiritually speaking. But remember, the word of God is spiritually discerned. Not to be read as literature. Not to be read as literature because the Bible is spiritually discerned. There are people, you know, I was watching this 
program of the learned class, so to speak, about Jerusalem, and you have all these professors of theology from college number one, university number two, university number the global universities, they say all these things, they all, you know, they speak all intellectual. The Bible says that in, in accordance to this, and the Bible says this. Well, they read the Bible as literature, very antichrist, in accordance to the antichrist spirit. Because they say all these things, and it's against against Jerusalem. Against Jerusalem. No mention of the prophecies of Isaiah. No mentions of the prophecies of, uh, of Jeremiah. No mentions of the prophecies of Amos, of Joel, Joel, uh, uh, the prophecies of Zephaniah, Zechariah. No mention of the prophecies of the Messiah. No mention whatsoever. And so you have a people listening to these things in accordance to literature, not in accordance to the Spirit. And they're being blinded being subjugated under the spirit of Antichrist. These things must happen. Perilous times. The Bible says perilous times for a reason. Because they will be perilous. And they are perilous. In verse 12, in closing, they were married into the families of the children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's family. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from the Jer across from Jericho. You see? This is so beautiful. We close the book of Numbers here. But Israel in Numbers 1 is a different Israel from Numbers 36. And, you know, you hold Numbers 1 in your left hand and Numbers 36 in your right hand. And everything in between, you see what happens to Israel. How the Lord reveals himself, makes himself known. Yes, there's chastisement. Yes, there's judgment. Yes, there's wrath. Yes, there's plagues. But these are the things that had to happen to bring Israel to this present state in, in preparation for the promised land. But the same thing applies to the last days, last days generation. These things must happen in order for our passage into the promised land. And I speak of paradise. Paradise lost. Paradise lost in Genesis. Paradise gained in Revelation. You see? All these things must come to pass. The tree of life in Genesis forbidden forbidden in genesis the tree of life in revelation the messiah himself son of the most high giving us to freely eat because we're a different generation that is ready that is prepared to partake of this fruit of the promised land paradise you see the death of the first generation in accordance to Adam. And there's life in the second generation in accordance to Christ, which is to be born again into Christ. The fulfillment of the law. Remember, Jesus Christ says, I didn't come to do away with the law. If you're Jewish and you're listening, I love you. Jesus Christ didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He is the fulfillment of the law. That's why we, you, we abide in Christ. You see? Abide in Christ. 
We're going to end our study here and Lord willing, start our study through the book of Deuteronomy next week. This book of Deuteronomy, when we come to the end of Deuteronomy, that will conclude our study through the Torah, the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, our study through the Torah. And in our studies through Torah, how many times do we point to Christ? How many times? I think in every study in Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and also in Deuteronomy, we're going to reference Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law, because the Torah points to Christ, the fulfillment. Beautiful people of the way, God bless you. I love you.